tonight, I would like to show you a miracle. That's what I'd like to do. And my hope is that you will identify what a miracle is and you will identify the miracle God has done in your life and you will increase in your confidence in faith that God still performs miracles. There's a temptation to look at Scripture and think those are amazing historical facts. Wouldn't it be amazing to be born in those times and see it yourself? But truthfully, only a handful of people got to see the stories of the Bible in person. Actually, the Bible says that those of us who live beyond Christ's time will see greater things than those in the Bible. How amazing is that? But is that true? Uh, do we? And maybe that's a good conversation to have. So the scripture I wanted to use, okay, let's, so let me just give you a heads up. This verse is quite intense. And I'm even reading it from like the most casual translation, which is the message, but it's still intense. Please don't take it personally because I only need like a little verse from it, but I like reading scripture in context because I think that's the only way to read scripture. But it's intense. Are you okay with that, everybody? Okay, what I can encourage you to do is buy pancakes afterwards just to let the bitterness go away. Okay, so Matthew 23 from the message, verse 37 to 39, Jesus says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The story is that he's looking at Jerusalem when he says that he's on his way to the Holy Week, the final week of his life. Murderer of prophets, killer of the one who brought you good news. So he's talking about his own life, right? How often I've ached, Jesus says, under his breath to Jerusalem, how often I've ached to embrace your children the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you wouldn't let me. That's hectic. You're responding about as enthusiastically as I thought you would because that's such an intense scripture. But I want to draw out of it this one idea that they wouldn't let him and pose the question, that Jesus would do much more mighty things, and much more miraculous things in all of our lives if we would let him. And that giving God permission is the greatest limitation to living a spiritual life. How amazing is that? That my giving God permission to let him do something miraculous or marvelous or spiritual in my life is the greatest barrier. So that perhaps by the end of tonight's message, our prayer should be the same as Jesus' prayer at the end of those few chapters. Not my will, but your will be done. Like that, that, that clash of wills in that final moment might just be the, the great moment we should talk about in the run-up to Passover. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, Jesus describes, Jesus is described as a miracle worker. And you find, I think there are 44 verses in the Bible, in the New Testament, that describe Jesus in this kind of way. It says, um, Matthew 8, um, uh, 16 says, When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Help me, production. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. <laughs> In Jesus' name, may, the, may I go to my guy here. Um, Matthew 8, uh, many who are demon-possessed, he cast out the spirits with the word and he healed all who were 
ill. Um, I got a message saying the words have frozen. So right now, uh, I'm just going to reach out a hand and pray in Jesus' name for the healing of the computer. Um, it's okay, I've got the words right here. I, I, I did prepare. Um, it's a description of Jesus going about life performing miracles. And sometimes those miracles are defined in this intensity of like casting out demons. And other times it was defined as healing the sick. And other times it was defined or described as just performing mighty wonders. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 8, that idea is repeated. It says that Jesus went about healing the sick. He even raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, cast out demons, and then he says, you should do the same for freely you have received and freely give. Isn't that incredible? And this idea of freely you have received and freely give is, is birthed on the idea that I am healed and I want to share healing with somebody else. I've been set free. I want to share freedom with somebody else. And freedom, healing, and wholeness is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? So, so there's this difficulty about uh, uh, miracles and a miraculous life and Jesus um, being given permission, us letting God do something in our lives. And that is the unreasonable expectation that all spiritual miracles must happen immediately. That's a very unreasonable expectation. And for some reason, people think it's the only kind of miracle in the Bible is the immediate miracle. But can I tell you, that's really not true. And maybe if you knew what types of miracles and the miraculous spiritual life looks like, you might discover you've already had at least one miracle in your life. At least one miracle. So I've been joking all day today that, uh, you know, um, I'm Greek and so I've been teasing people about the whole Greek thing and how fortunate I am that I am closer to heaven um, as a result of my Greekness than maybe others, not you in particular, just others in general. So all jokes aside, okay, would it be okay, I'm going to introduce to you three words, Greek words, that are usually translated healing or miracle in the Bible, and then you can spot which one you're already enjoying, experiencing, and which one you're going to give permission to God to do in your life. Is that okay? Are you good with that? I would like for us to have a spiritual life that is not just academic, does not only give us emotional relief, but is the genuine meeting place between heaven and earth. Somewhere that is impossible for man, but is possible for God. That intersection which seems unlikely in human words, but is completely miraculously possible in a heavenly language, with heavenly words and with spiritual authority and with spiritual power. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That place where everything that I can do is completed, but then there is a lot more that can be done that is done by God. Is that an amen moment? I think that's important. So the first word, some people have overused this word. Some people have abused the word. Some people have turned it into a creepy word. It really isn't. It's a cool word because it is Greek. I'm sorry about that. It's the word sozo. Now that's not how we say it. We say sozo, but it's written like that. So it seems easier to just say so-so, right? It's not so-so, so-so. 
But if it helps you remember it, good. It's one of the words that are mentioned, I think, 27 times out of the 44 times mentioned, 27 times in the Bible, dealing with God doing miracles or healings. And it is a very interesting word because in its fullness of the word, soteria, the fullness of the word, don't worry, it's not important. I'm not making you do an exam about it afterwards. It literally means to be saved, delivered and set free from the inside out. The first kind of healing is healing from your sinful nature. To be set free, the first miracle, before you can have any other kind of miracle, the first miracle, the most valuable rather miracle, you probably could have other miracles in different order, but the first most valuable miracle is that where God makes you new and the old has passed away and all things are become new. You've already had your first miracle of healing the day you accepted uh, Jesus Christ into your Lord and Saviour and said yes to heaven's invitation to be a follower of Jesus. A miracle takes place in that moment. You should not say miracles are scarce or hard because you are one. We should start there. We should start there because if we make miracles somewhere far away, which we have to go and find, then we might neglect that the miracle worker is inside of us and we ourselves are testament of a miraculous life. For God has sozoed, saved my life. Can you say amen to that? And that idea of delivering and setting free is, um, it, 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 is, it is instantaneous while simultaneously it is a process. So the best description is you're in the ocean, you're drowning, um, but you're also an alcoholic. Just imagine. I'm not picking on you if that's you. I had no idea. But thank you for coming to church. And... Sozo, the idea of salvation, is that the, the lifesaver goes into the water of sin and fetches you without asking or trying to solve your addiction. Because the first thing we need is to get your feet on a firm foundation. So he first goes to the waters of your storm to captivate you to save you and to pull you out onto the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And so in one sense, when you see him in the water, you are saved immediately. In another sense, when he pulls you towards shore, you are being saved. And in the final sense, when you're finally standing on firm foundation, your salvation is made eternal. Okay, so amen to that. So that, that is, that is a, a miracle that is both, both immediate and continuous. So people say, well, how, how is that possible? You know, maybe God's still dealing with some addictions in you, but he got you out the water. That's what you, you know, that's where your first miracle is like, I'm glad I'm not dealing with me while I'm drowning. I'm glad Jesus saved me first and now he's setting my feet on firm foundation. I think that idea is very important. So many of us are embarrassed uh, by our issue. Maybe, maybe you fell in the water because you're addicted to alcohol. Maybe you shouldn't have been out there. Maybe you messed it up and you're a mess and you're hardly sober. And it would be terrible if while the lifesaver was swimming towards you, you were swimming away out of embarrassment. 
Don't do that. By the way, you know, they say that some people freak out when they're drowning. So sometimes the lifesaver has to be quite aggressive. I heard the story that a person was freaking out so much they were almost drowning the the lifesaver. The lifesaver uh, um, uh, uh, woke him up. A little hiding, just a little, I don't know if it's legal or not, but just a little gunk. Now, if your life's had a little gunk, sometimes it's just to tell you, stop striving. Let him save you. Just let him save you. Stop fighting. You can't fight the ocean, but you can let the lifesaver save you. And you're going to be saved with issues, but it's okay because the soul is eternal and it must be first set on firm foundation. And so there's something very powerful about that. John 5, um, I actually am using the King James Version. I'm going super old school now because there's a word in there that I really like. Um, so please ignore it. It's uh, the, the Shakespearean poetry of King James, but there's a word you, you're going to really enjoy. John 5 and verse 8. And I think the, the is the, oh, the, I was going to say that the screen is healed because it was there, but now it's gone again. I rebuke the devil. Um, no, okay, okay, that's dramatic and unnecessary. John, John 5 verse 8, Jesus said unto him, rise, take up your bed and walk. It's the story of the paralyzed guy who is um, let through the roof. Um, Immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked, verse 9 says. On the same day, it was the Sabbath. Uh, The Jews therefore said uh, to him, who was cured, they spoke to this paralyzed guy and said, isn't it the Sabbath? You're not supposed to carry your bed on the Sabbath. I mean, really, of all the things to be worried about. So Jesus just set this up. Jesus heals the guy. He's miraculously saved from a birth defect. He picks up his bed and then the critics, they've got a problem that he's carrying his bed on the Sabbath because that's like work and you don't work on the Sabbath. You know, critics always miss the point. I mean, a miracle is happening. They're focusing on the small details. And I bet you that to a paralyzed person, carrying your bed isn't work. I'll bet that for him who couldn't walk, walking isn't hard. It's a joy. And I sometimes think the thing we think is work is just forgetting to be grateful that we have the privilege of being able to do it. Hey? Anyway, that was for free. That was a focus. He answered them and said... um, The man who made me whole is the one who said I should take up my bed and walk. The word I'm looking for there is the word whole. Uh, The Bible says that he heals the sick and he makes whole the sick. And there is a big difference between healing and wholeness. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, you, You could have a disease in your body but still be whole in your soul. Or you could be completely healthy in your body and you can be broken in your soul. 
And what this man was saying is, the man who healed my body told me I'm allowed to carry my bed because not only is my body whole or fixed, my mind concerning religion and rules was also made whole. So what you think is a sin is not a sin. I can pick this up and walk it because I'm not only healed, but I'm whole. So that's the difference. And some of you here, you're healed from something, but you're not whole yet. So you keep leaving your bed in places you should. Okay, so Jäger, let's just move on to something else. There's some saint here who needs to pick up his bedding and go home. Um, there is an importance in in us understanding that Jesus' first miracle is internal wholeness. And it is the idea of being rescued from the storm of my own sin. And that's a miracle. And Jesus is an excellent lifesaver. There is none like him. And that's why our faith is not categorized in the same way as other forms of religion. Because other forms of religion teach you tools to swim out of your sin. But Jesus says, I couldn't teach you enough to get you out of an eternal sin. I'll come fetch you because I'm an eternal savior. That's a big difference. The one has a risk. I'll teach you. Good luck. If you make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. The other has an assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. It's the assurance that it is on his work and not on mine. And then there's a second Greek word. So we're ticking them off. Uh, second Greek word. And this um, I didn't know about until I was doing homework for this message about Jesus wanting to, I couldn't work out this analogy of a, a hen gathering its chicks and, and uh, he would have healed them. But they said, no, I couldn't work out what that meant. And, and then I realized it's got to do with this idea of giving Jesus permission to do miracles uh, or, or healing in our lives on all levels, not just on one. So the second Greek word is therapio. Therapio. Guess which word comes from that? Ah, uh, there we go. How amazing is that? You're all wonderful Greeks and Christians. I think, <laughs> I think I'm doing a great job. Thera therapio. It, it is the Greek word, you're quite right, from which we derive the word a therapy. Jesus is my sozo, the one who heals me from the inside out. He's also my therapy. Yo. I'll tell you why I like that so much. This idea is that he, through words of wisdom, through role modeling of lifestyle, through mentorship and encouragement, is performing a miracle in my life. You need to give Christ permission to therapy you into the character of Christ. You need to give him permission to therapy you. That is to talk it out and to walk it out and to pray it out and to think it through and to walk it out again and think it through. And as I walk with him and I talk with him along life's narrow way, he is renewing my mind. Your, your second miracle is a process. 
It's Jesus, my therapist. Now, listen, if you're seeing a therapist, that is totally fine. But there's a therapist who wants to see you. And his name is Jesus. And if you'll set up an appointment with him, once a week, every day, he'll meet with you. And he will renew your mind. I believe in Christ, my healer. Not only because he saved me from the storm and put me on firm ground, but because he is my therapy. One word from Jesus can turn around thousands of words put in my mind by myself, my enemy, or my friends. He is my therapy. He is the one who says, walk here, not there. Turn not to the left, to the right. He is the restorative healer uh, in my life. Do, do you know that word, uh, that Greek word therapy is, uh, therapy is still used today, uh, obviously amongst the Greeks. Um, whenever you get a prescription, I don't know what you call it here. I suppose it's just a prescription, right? The doctor gives you a prescription. The Greeks say the doctors gave you a therapy. So when you come back from the doctor and you say to your friend, uh, uh, what therapy did the doctor prescribe, even if it's pills, eh? And you have to complete the therapy. We call it complete the course, the antibiotic course, right? Uh, please finish the course. Run the race. Complete the road marked out for you. Because in it is the healing. Sometimes it's that second last pull or the last pull. It's on the final day. It's on the last stage and shop, the therapy works. It's the final song or the 50th song. It's reading it again and rereading it again. And the therapy of Christ in my life changes me. Finish the course. Paul once wrote, I, I finished my course. I run the race. They restored up for me a crown of righteousness. And I want to encourage you to do that. Matthew chapter 4. Oh, I nearly baptized my phone there. Forgot that it was here. That would have been a great example if I could use it in some kind of way. Imagine it turned into wine. Um, if it did, certain people would be up here first. And then I would know who the sinners were. They'd want to taste how good heaven's wine is. And then we'd have that conversation. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 23, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Um, it is a powerful thing to know that Jesus comes looking for us to make us whole. And I wanted to encourage you, there is the first miracle, which is Jesus fetches you out of sin. The second miracle, which is Jesus, your therapist, you have to please say yes to that. Please say yes. Um, it's so powerful um, when you let him prescribe a course for you. Now, uh, the, those courses aren't always, hey, let's be honest, they're not always easy, eh? You know, every now and then God will say, George, uh, as your therapist, I am prescribing a course of perseverance. For, you. for the next three months, I would like you to take this daily pull of perseverance. There's going to be some problem that won't go away. Oh, but he is my therapist. He's my healer. He sets me free. 
I'm going to run the race. I'm going to finish the course. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Can you say amen to that? I think there's something powerful about it. The last Greek word used in the Bible, so there are 44 times these words are used, 27 for the first. In my memory, I can't remember the numbers of the other two. Surely they should add up to 44, eh? so I don't know. You could just maybe do a guess. Uh, it's the Greek word, Iomai. Uh, you've probably never heard it. I struggle. I wasn't sure how it was pronounced even, and I'm Greek, so like I had to do one of those Google, you know, uh, what's the thing? How is it pronounced thing? Uh, yeah, trying to translate. Um, yeah. Pronunciation, that's what it is. And you just hope that person got it right because there's millions of people all over the world saying this word now because some lady said that's how you say it. But, but that's, that's the moment um, when somebody in the Bible in the moment feels what they describe as power affecting them. Think about the woman who had some sort of a blood condition, right? And she's in a crowd of people all following Jesus, but not all of them touching Jesus. Then some of them touching Jesus, but not all of them getting touched back by the presence of Jesus, just her. So there's a crowd of followers. Then there's a crowd of followers who touch him. And then there is somewhere in that, somebody Jesus touches miraculously. And something so incredible happens in that moment that it is immediately noticeable to the person and to God. And it is a miraculous, instantaneous encounter with God. It's not the only kind of miracle. And you know, it's actually the rarest in the Bible. It's so rare, in fact, that when one or two disciples couldn't perform that kind of miracle, maybe with someone who had like a leprosy or whatever, uh, or a demon, they'd come to Jesus and say, we're trying to get rid of this thing, it didn't work. And Jesus would teach them, you go to pray and fast and whatever. Um, but we've all decided for some reason that miracles are extreme, immediate and dramatic or else they don't exist. But that's not true. God is a miracle worker. You are a miracle. You have seen a miracle. You're currently in a miracle being developed to miraculous levels of change. And so from time to time, God does an instantaneous supernatural miracle. And that is just wonderful when that happens. Amen? It's just wonderful when that happens. Uh, Luke chapter 8. Um, uh, also, I'm really going to baptize something here today. Luke chapter 8, verse um, 47. Uh, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, fell down before him. She declared to him before all the people uh, for what reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. There was such a noticeable moment. Now, let me tell you, I pray for those moments. I pray that sometime in the worship or in the preaching or in the parking lot or somewhere in church, the curtain between heaven and earth will part and people will be miraculously healed or changed or transformed. It's just an instantaneous, the light comes on. You came here with an addiction of some kind, a chemical addiction or a mental addiction or a psychological addiction. And in that moment in the crowd where some were just following and some were reaching and you reached, heaven reached back. And I believe that still happens um, today. 
And God is a miracle worker in that sense. I found it interesting that this kind of healing and, and actually the last two, the journey of um, therapy, in other words, becoming more Christ-like and this miraculous moment. I find it interesting that it still happens in heaven. How weird is that? You look like you don't believe me. So I have to pull out a verse out of Revelation. Because not many of you have finished reading Revelation. I know you've started, but you haven't finished. How cool is this verse? Revelation 22. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I'll tell you why I like that so much. Um, our need for the, for, let me simplify it. Our need to say, yes, your will be done and not mine, is an eternal need. That even in heaven, we will, it's implying here, every month there is some kind of a moment, it implies here, that where the nations will say, we choose you. And you are our therapy and our mentor and our lifesaver and our king. You are our light so that the sun is no longer the brightest thing in our galaxy and the moon is not our light by night. Jesus, you are our light by day and by night. I, I wanted to encourage you to, um, to get your head around this idea that God is doing miracles. And it, um, it in each step, step along the way, your response is to say, yes, Lord. Your response is to say, will you finish the work you've begun? Will you continue on the journey you, you took us on or taking us on? I also want you to know, if you have allowed him to save you, you, you already have had your first miracle. Don't belittle it. Because soon you will doubt in miracles. And if, you, if the devil can convince you that miracles are old Bible time stuff, then the miracle you need in your character will be far away. But if you've already seen one miracle, then the next miracle is very close. It's just in that act of faith, right? I, um, that's, I wanted to say, um, I might still say it, but it's so cheesy that you're going to laugh, but maybe you'll also remember it. Like um, when Jesus saves you out of the water, don't remain a drip the rest of your life. Grow past that to ever-increasing um, Degrees of spiritual maturity or glory. Like get, like get past the edge, you know. Dry up and step up and step out and see the amazing things that God will yet do. Can you say amen? Je Jesus is going past Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, I'm heartbroken for you because I planned better things for you and you kept turning me down. 
So my encouragement to you is don't turn the Lord down. Because he's got marvellous, miraculous things in mind for you. Amen. Would you stand with me? I have a prayer in mind. I just want you to know that the the, um, computer has now been healed and seems to be working fine. Um, It's only five past seven, so I've got five minutes if you wouldn't mind. Hey guys, the, the, let me just say um, before I get into the last bit of serious talk, the food quality at Warehouse One has just shot up. Eh? I just have to say to Christelle and the team who run it, wow, could have an actual meal here. And hello. And the pancakes are holy, um, <laughs> according to Vince. So um, just some something light for the moment. I, I do want to end, though, with a very specific prayer. Um, here's what it is. Every person in this room needs a miracle by that classification. Either the one that saves you or the therapy that changes you or the immediate one that delivers you. But we all need one of those or all of those in our journey, often with the Lord, I think. So with that time available, maybe the the best thing I could invite you to do is to say yes. So would you, in this moment, just close close your eyes so there's a little bit of... um, I think just a little bit of confidentiality and integrity to everyone around you. Like this is not intended to be awkward. Um, but, but if you need this kind of miracle, not the dramatic, you know, not the like impossible stuff you think you've heard about, but you need God to work a work in you and he is still the miracle worker. And I'm going to invite you to respond. So I'll do it in this way. Um, If you need to say yes to Jesus so that he can save you from a drowning circumstance, I'd like to pray with you. So if that's where you're at, you just need to put your hand up and say, do you know what, I'm not going to fight and I'm not going to flee. I'm going to agree tonight and I'm going to give Christ consent. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just long enough, I just want to see it and go, yeah, I, I get that. Thank you, thank you. There are lots of you actually. Um, so I'm going to pray that prayer first, and then I'm going to do the other one. So, so I'm going to pray that prayer first. I'd, I'd love for you to repeat the idea of the prayer under your breath too. Maybe I'll just pray it as though I'm you and you copy me, and that might help. Let's, let's do it, but you can just do it under your breath. Lord Jesus, I hear your voice tonight, a stirring reminding me that I'm drowning and I don't have to. I could let you save me. So I say yes. Take charge. Steer me, set me on solid ground. Forgive me for messing this all up. I repent of that and of living in this storm of sin. I'm sorry. 
Please do a miracle. Sozo me. Amen. While you're still here, one last prayer, and then I can, I, I, I'm going to send you to that wonderful coffee. Um, but you need therapy, and I'm not belittling the concept of therapy with a professional, but you need, you need Jesus therapy. You need Jesus to say, here's my prescription for you. Here's the course I want you on. Here's the step I want you to take, the steps I want you to take. Would you say yes to Jesus for that too? So let me pray that prayer. Lord, would you, would you please prescribe to us the way in which we should walk? Would you please prescribe to us the things we ought to do and the things we ought to walk away from? Would you be our healer and deliverer, but our therapy, our guide, our mentor, our master, so that we can say yes every day of our lives, throughout our lives, not just once, but yes and yes again. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on knocking. Our answer is yes and amen every time. Thank you for the miracle. And thank you, Lord, that you continue to do miracles in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you give God a shout of praise? There we are.